Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. Have we gotten to this point where people wake up every morning looking for something to be offended about? I live in this place called the real world, and I understand what is going to happen. Her story is, I was trying to scare him away. At the same time, she shot him point blank in the face. Okay, that's not exactly a warning shot. The Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. Coming up next, Squirrel. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Eric Bilstadt, this is not a good way for a talk show host to start off his last program before the long Thanksgiving Day weekend. But I admit, I have no idea what to say about this first story. Have, have you seen what President Trump just tweeted out oh. or tweeted out like within <laughs> yeah. the last hour or two? Yes, I have. I, I, I swear this does not happen often. I am just completely and totally speechless. Um, about 10 o'clock our time, President Trump, you know, on his and I, if, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. I, I retweeted, tweet, retweeted this with the caption that I, I just I honestly do not know what to say. Um, here, here <laughs> it's just, it's what it is, is it's President Trump. Now, he tweeted this out. It is a picture of his head that is superimposed upon the, the body of Sylvester Stallone back when Sylvester Stallone was playing Rocky in, in the 1970s. Yeah, he's so all it's tore up. Right. I mean, right. It, it's the, you know, it, it's the, the, it's kind of like a, this poster that's there. Um, and again, it, it shows President Trump, who, by the way, is 6'3", about 250 pounds, <laughs> looking straight ahead with that combative look on his face over the image of Stallone's ripped, you know, 5'10", 176-pound body, ready to ready to rumble. If you blur your eyes... It, it has no caption. So it, it's just... It's just I, 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 I don't exactly know, you know, what the message is. I guess he's ready to fight or whatever, but it's... You would think it was a parody. You you really yeah, right. would. And I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, huh, um, could I see President Obama doing this? No. Could I see President Bush doing this? Could I see President Reagan doing this? No. Now, it might be something, again, that if you're you're a supporter or something, hey, that's what we're going to do. But this, this apparently came from the real Donald Trump. Yeah. yeah. Okay, he's down in Florida playing golf. Um, but if you if you want to see this, and I, I'm sure it's going to lead to lots of also interesting captions and all. But I, I admit I don't know what more to say about it other than really, huh? That's kind of an interesting choice. And maybe if I keep working out with Jason at the gym, maybe maybe someday I'll, I'll be in a position where I, I can tweet out a picture of myself looking like that. No, <laughs> as I was saying earlier, you know, after just like one thing with the personal trainer, I can barely walk. You know, it's kind of like that. All right. This appeals to my sense of irony. Here's the story. Journal Sentinel has it. An 18-year-old Milwaukee Police Department aide had a very short career in law enforcement. Prosecutors have charged Quashan D. Thompson with driving a stolen vehicle. According to the complaint, officers were investigating a shooting 
in the area of 143 West Fond du Lac Avenue around 12.45 a.m. last week. While looking for shell casings, they noticed a blue Dodge minivan screeching around in a parking lot. An officer pulled up behind the van, ran the tag, and saw that it had been reported stolen earlier in the day. Okay, then, of course, this is Milwaukee. What happens when police try to pull over a car? The um, driver and the passengers jumped out of the automobile and ran. Police caught Thompson, who had exited the driver's door, which is circumstantial evidence that he was the one driving. He was wearing, get this, black socks on both hands. Black socks on both hands. Now, Gru, why would you be wearing black socks on both hands when you're driving the stolen car? You got a theory? He didn't want uh, uh, You're shaking your head no? Oh, come on. I thought I've taught you better than that. He didn't want to leave fingerprints on the steering wheel. That You know, that it, it's pretty apparent that that's, that's why you're wearing socks on your hands, because you're in the stolen car. If they recover it, you don't want evidence traced to you. So, um... This guy who was a uh, police aide, he did learn something. Yeah, he'd, he'd become a little bit smarter. Okay, uh, exited the driver's door wearing black socks on both hands. He told police the juveniles in the van had picked him up earlier, and they were the ones driving recklessly, so he had slipped over into the driver's seat right before the van was stopped. In other words, he was doing a public service. Hey, I'm with these kids. These are in a stolen van. I didn't know it was stolen, of course, and they were driving recklessly, so I said, no, 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 let, let me take over. I'll I'll drive. How the the socks got on his hand and why, different story. Thompson told police he had not noticed there were no keys and that the steering column had been peeled open. (laughs) Okay, so he's in the stolen van driving recklessly. He's got the socks on the hand to stop fingerprints from from leaving fingerprints. There's no key and the steering column had been peeled open. And by the way, when the cops pull him over, he starts to run. Hmm. Thompson had joined the police aid apprentice program in August huh? and was fired after his arrest. Aides are uniformed civilian employees ages 17 to 20 who do administrative and clerical work. They receive a preferential entry into the officer recruitment class upon completing a two-year program. Annual salary is 23000 bucks. Okay, so so here, I mean, that law enforcement career does come to a, to a halt. Apparently, he did learn a couple things. He learned how to be at least a, a more sophisticated criminal, at least knowing to do stuff, not to leave fingerprints in the car. Here is the dazzling detail of this though apparently not only was he just an aide at the police department he was assigned to the stolen auto desk at mpd so here you have a guy who's working during the day you know on the stolen auto desk and at night well he's cruising around and stolen uh, stolen autos and autos and trying to run from the cops you cannot cannot make this up all right when we come back a judge gets it wrong what happens now stick around this is jeff wagner jeff wagner on wtmj gee what a shock that this did not turn out differently i found this story uh js online is now reporting it apparently it was originally talked about by um on wisn radio so here 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 is the deal The story involves a guy, his name is Dante Barnes. 
He is now 20 years old. But the way the story is reported, in August of 2016, when Barnes was 17 years old, he was driving a 1999 Ford Taurus. He was driving 80 miles an hour. North 35th Street, about 8.30 p.m., swerving lane from lane. So, I mean, this is a couple years ago. Here you got this guy. He apparently had just gotten his driver's license. He's driving like a maniac, 80 miles an hour down the city street, swerving from lane to lane. He loses control, crashes into a tree near West Keith Keith Avenue. The impact apparently was so great, which you can imagine, you hit a tree at 80 miles an hour, bad things are going to happen. The impact was so great that the car is like torn in half. All right, well, Barnes is not the only guy in the car. He's got four acquaintances in the car, three other acquaintances in the car with him. Apparently, they were returning from playing basketball. Here's what happened. A rear seat passenger... There's um, two people in the rear seats. One is, they're both 15. They die in this car crash. There's a 16-year-old who's in the front seat. He survives, but apparently has numerous serious injuries. So, okay, you got you got the situation now. The 17-year-old kid is driving like a bat out of you-know-where, 80 miles an hour. They're on some joyride, slams into a tree. Two people die. And a third is seriously injured. He apparently walks away okay from this particular situation. All right, what happens is he gets charged and ultimately gets convicted of homicide by negligent operation of a motor vehicle. He goes into Milwaukee County Circuit Court and appears before Circuit Judge Jeffrey Conan. All right, what happens is that he is then sentenced. And the sentence is six years in prison. Now, you hear that sentence and you say, okay, six years in prison. That's, uh, you know, he killed two people, reckless driving. Okay, you know, two people are dead. Yeah, that doesn't sound like an overly great penalty for taking two lives. But, all right, maybe you can live with it. So six years in prison. But here's the but. The but is the judge then immediately says, never mind. You don't have to serve the six years in prison because I am going to suspend that prison sentence. And instead, I am going to put you on probation, probation, with the condition that, you know, after you graduate from high school, you have to spend a year in the House of Correction, but you get work release privileges for the last three months. So essentially, six years, never mind. But, of course, there's all sorts of the requirements that if, okay, you're on probation, you know, if you do anything again, there are going to be all sorts of consequences, right? Now, you might think that having arguably gotten the break of a lifetime, you know, you're looking at potentially decades in prison. You have killed two people as a result of your driving. You have seriously injured a third, and you have been, I think it is fair to say, slapped on the wrist by the circuit judge. You would think, you would think that that would motivate people to at least be on the straight and narrow, right? Well, if you thought that, you would be wrong, because on Sunday... Dante Barnes, now 20 years old, 
was pulled over on Interstate 94 in Brookfield by a Wisconsin State Patrol trooper. He received a number of citations, speeding, inattentive driving, no seatbelt, no insurance, and operating while his license is suspended. Okay, so various various citations that, that are out there. Now, he didn't kill anybody. Um, he wasn't drunk, but he didn't have a valid driver's license. He's speeding, inattentive driving, etc., etc. And did I mention that he's still on paper for the vehicular homicides from a couple years ago? Our number, 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Oh, by the way, the, the details of why he was stopped, apparently Sunday morning, 9.30 a.m., he was going 25 miles an hour over the speed limit on the freeway. All right, so now you have this guy who got the break of a lifetime, arguably, a couple years ago, got slapped on the wrist, I think that's a fair thing to say, and apparently has not learned his lesson because he's back out on the roads without a valid driver's license, driving in what you would arguably describe as a reckless fashion. Our number, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Right now, he is apparently in jail on a probation hold. The question's going to be, what do you do with him now? He didn't kill anybody else, but he was driving in this reckless fashion. My question to you is, do you send him back to prison to serve, I don't know, another four or five years? Or do we simply say, well, you know, he kept his nose clean for a year or two. He was speeding, but it's not like he killed anybody else. What do you do? Because this is a conversation we're having more and more. Because one of the things that there's people out there saying, well, you know, well, the quickest way to, one of the reasons we have such a high incarceration rate is you have people who get put on probation and then they get revoked for all these Mickey Mouse type of things. Is this a Mickey Mouse type of thing? 414-799-1620. That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in a moment. My answer is, do not pass go. Do not collect $200 and go to jail. Go directly to jail. But what do you think? We discuss in a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 414-799-1620. Vincent on the northwest side. Vincent, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours, Jeff. Uh, yeah. What do you do to what do you do with this guy? He got I would argue the break of a lifetime two years ago and now he's back speeding, driving recklessly, and driving without a license. I think he he needs to go to prison. The fact is obviously he hasn't learned his lesson. He's a danger to the community because uh, the fact he's out here driving one without a license and then he's driving recklessly. Yep. The fact is is that uh, uh, this guy is, is emboldened because the fact is he got off. The fact is he's killed two and killed two right. two two individuals and 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 he needs to pay, he needed to pay for it then, but he really needs to pay for it now. It, it was so mind-boggling to me Vincent is if if I'd been in a situation like that at the age of 17 and you get you get a second chance essentially. You know, you you got your friends, your acquaintances, they're dead, you're responsible for it. You get arguably a slap on the wrist instead of going to prison for decades. It says something that you're going to get back into an automobile, drive this way without a driver's license. It's kind of like a complete disregard for what happened a couple years earlier. 
Oh, certainly, oh, certainly. And and I think these judges, I don't understand. I, I think they just send individuals back out here and basically go out and kill somebody else because that's exactly what this judge did. And, and, he, and so... So, yes, this guy needs to go to prison and he needs to go for a long period of time. I, I couldn't agree more. No, thanks for calling. I mean, and it's true. See, I, I've sat in the courtroom while you see these things, and I, I'll tell you how this works out. The, the judges look sternly at the defendant, and they give them this lecture about people are dead and how serious this is, and they say, I'm sentencing you. It's a sentence of the court to six years in prison. And then there's kind of quiet, and then they take a pause, one, two, three, and then they say, but... And that's always what you hear, but it's the order of the court that I'm going to suspend the prison sentence in favor of four years probation with the first year to be served in the House of Correction after you graduate from high school. It's just this joke that, that they end up playing. And in a case like this where you have two people that are dead, they give the guy the break of a lifetime, and obviously a few months in the House of Correction didn't send the appropriate message, and now he's back out on the street driving in this fashion again. So, yeah, just because I understand it's just traffic tickets, I get it, but, you know, how can you let him stay out on the street? Corey in Milwaukee. Corey, you're on WTMJ. Hey, how you doing, Jeff? Hi, Corey. What do you think? Um, my thing is this. To get the slap on the wrist, slap in the face, that's what you need. Um, I'm sick of the reckless driving, and I think the judge who, who let him get off like that, maybe he needs to be talked to by somebody a little higher than him, or he needs to step down. And who's giving this guy cars to drive anyway? That's you know that of course is the other interesting question about this. Let me see. He was driving a green 2002 Subaru wagon, so like a car that's almost 20 years old. Right? Um, no insurance, no license. Yeah. Where? Where? Thanks to call. Where? Where did that car come from? That that's another valid question as well. But the bigger point is, and see, this is what I don't understand about the judges. And many judges run for re-election, and they don't want to have this reputation of being too hard on people or something like that. But, you know, you don't do the general public a favor, and you don't do, a lot of times, these young criminals a favor by looking the other way when they commit crimes, because they don't get the message. And now... Now, I don't want to hear, oh, well, he didn't kill anybody. He really didn't commit another crime. He was just driving, you know, 25 miles an hour over the speed speed limit with, you know, no driver's license. I don't want to hear that. He killed somebody by recklessly driving in a car probably more than 25 miles an hour over the speed limit two years ago. And now he's doing the same darn thing. Put the kid in prison for a long time. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So, very glad to have you with us. Okay, the, the, the latest push that's out there about people wanting to do things that make them feel better but really probably don't accomplish a lot is this ongoing war against single-use plastic straws. You know, the, the things that you would get at the restaurants so that you could drink your soda out of and all. According to the Plastics Pollution Coalition, 175 billion straws are used and discarded every year in the United States. And they estimate that about 8.3 billion straws have found their way to sandy ocean beaches across the world. There is, however, another study that says that straws represent only about 2,000 tons of 9 million tons of plastic that ends up in the ocean, which statistically is is not that significant. 
All right. But nevertheless, in the idea that, you know, people want to be perceived as, as doing something, you have some communities that are banning the use of the single use plastic straws. Now, I have to I have to say this at the beginning. I am not a straw guy. I, I don't. As a general rule, I don't drink drinks out of straws, the exception being the occasional Bloody Mary and, of course, you know, milkshakes and things like that. But if I'm just ordering a soda, I'm drinking it out of the glass. That's just kind of the way I am. The city of Milwaukee, the Common Council, who Lord knows, Lord knows it's not like the Common Council has real issues to deal with, like reckless driving and homicides and high poverty rates and lack of employment. This week, the Common Council passed what is being described as a ban on plastic straws and bars in restaurants. It's really not, but but that's the way it's getting it. The law that they, the ordinance that they have passed, which will go to the mayor for him to sign, says that restaurants and bars are prevented from providing single-use plastic beverage straws to their customers. Right, So that's what it says, and that's why the headlines is Milwaukee-area restaurants can no longer provide plastic straws to customers. There is, however, a huge exception to this. First of all, uh, prepackaged individual-serving beverages where a plastic straw is included are exempt from this. So if you buy, like, those prepackaged juice packets, you, you can have those. Second... Plastic straws are allowed for beverages like shakes and smoothies where a non-plastic straw is not suitable. You know, the paper straws just don't work on shakes. And here's here's the big, the, the big exception to this. While the restaurant or the bar is prevented from serving you the plastic straw with your drink, you can still request a plastic straw and they can give it to you. So then they bring you the, the drink, and you could say, hey, I'd like a plastic straw. Then they can give you one. They just can't bring it to you. So effectively, anybody who wants a plastic straw can still get one. So to the extent that this is a, a quote-unquote ban on plastic straws, it, it really isn't. It's perhaps a small effort to try to discourage the use of these things because, I mean, maybe there's somebody that takes the straw and that takes it out of the wrapper and kind of plays with it or something. But the bottom line is, if you want one in the city of Milwaukee, you can still get one simply by asking. So given the fact that th- there's this exception to this, which is big enough that you can drive a truck through, I, I, it's tough for me to get too worked up about this one way or the other because anybody who wants a plastic straw can still get a plastic straw. But that then leads to what I think is the more interesting issue with this. And that is, if you want to solve the problem, if you think there's a problem, and this is your little bit that you can do to try to help the environment, you it, it's real easy. You can simply make the decision, hey, I, I'm either going to do what I do most of the time, and I'm, I'm not going to use a straw, or you can go ahead with those paper straws. Now, my experience with the paper straws on a limited basis is I don't think they work very well. They tend to break down. They tend to get soggy. But but that's just me. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Are you ready to give up using plastic straws? Because if do is it, I guess the question would be, 
do you really believe that this has a huge impact on the environment and that you foregoing a couple plastic straws here and there is going to make a difference? That's number one. Number two, is there a suitable alternative? If you're somebody who does regularly use the straws, can you get by by using the paper straws instead? Because that's the bottom line of this. I mean, I again, I, Milwaukee says we're going to ban it. Well, all they're doing is they're saying, you know, we don't want you to serve the straw, but you can have a straw if you ask for it, which I, it's, I that's fine to me. You know, if you still want the plastic straw, you can still get it. But the larger point is, Regardless of whether or not the government tells you you can have this or not, you know, individually, do you still need your plastic straw? And are you ready to give this up? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I don't think people are there yet. I don't think people are convinced that this is enough of a problem involving the environment to give up the convenience of having the plastic straw. That's my take on this. But. Maybe I'm wrong. 414-799-1620. Gru is lining up the calls. If you're on the line, please hold on. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 414-799-1620. Are you willing to give up those single-use plastic straws? Because that's really the issue. Milwaukee, the city has just banned them, but it really hasn't. It's just said to restaurants, you know, you don't. You're not allowed to give them out when you serve the drink. But if somebody asks for the straw, they can have a straw. That, to me, isn't a ban on them. Um, and, and to me, that, that's okay. If this is going to be a change, it's going to be because people decide that they don't want to use them anymore. Is that where we are? Jim in West Bend. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Jim. Hey, Jeff, I'm going to change your mind on the straw thing. Um, I bartended for, I don't know, five or ten years when I was younger, and uh, – you know, you throw in 20 or 30 glasses into the dishwasher and, you know, you run the thing for 10 or 15 minutes and you'll pull them out and you go, you, you look through them a little bit and, you know, four or five of them still have lipstick on them. And, you know, I mean, there's, and thousands of people are putting their mouths on these glasses and they're not all perfectly clean all the time. And I, I, you're, I you're never, telling me not to drink. You're telling me to use a straw all the time is I'm what you're telling, telling me. Use a straw. I'm, I'm telling you, they're not always clean. The water might not be hot enough. I mean, <laughs> uh, I'm telling you, I, I I would never not use a straw in a restaurant. Um, okay, so how I mean, what, how do you handle like if you order a beer? I mean, obviously you're not going to use a straw on that. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. Um, it's 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 a problem. Um, I, I I like I said, I just uh, okay. I, I don't know what I would do as far as the beer goes, but I mean a mixed drink or a soda or something, I would use a straw just. Just for the cleanliness sake of it. Huh. Okay. Now, I got to tell you, Jim, that, that that's going to be troubling me all weekend here <laughs> because I, I, I'm, I'm trying to think. I so last night I was out to dinner and I ordered a, I ordered a bourbon neat. I'm trying to think, okay, well, if I'm sitting at the bar swilling that bourbon um, out of a straw, I'm going to be getting looked. Thanks for coming. Okay. So now, now I'm going to have to be thinking about the cleanliness issue. Um, it's, I, I just, for some reason, I just, I've never liked using the, the straws. 414-799-1620. But I, I mean, I, I get it. I mean, there's sometimes that you have to do it. If I'm, for example, if I'm at Miller Park and I'm having a soda, I, I mean, I, you know, and you've got the, the lid on there. Yes, I'm, I'm using the straw in that case. But if, if I'm, but in general, I, I'm drinking out of, I'm drinking out of the glass. Haven't gotten sick yet, but now I'm. This is going to be haunting me. Thanks, Jim. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to Joe in Milwaukee. Joe, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Joe. Um. Yeah, I don't know what the fast food restaurants are going to do because they're the ones that are primary using straws. Right. But well, uh, they're going to switch to the, the to the disposable the, the one, the, you know, the paper ones. Yeah. 
But I, I, I operate a few restaurants here in the city, and we've, on our own, have switched to a biodegradable right. straw. It's made out of kind of a cornstarch, so I don't even know if that classifies as plastic. But um, so how are they defining what the word plastic really means? But most of us have kind of backed off and just giving straws automatically to begin with. So right. I think it's already kind of a trend that is kind of ahead of the common councils. Do you think uh, – let me ask you this. I mean, do people – are there a lot of people that ask for straws? Because that's, that's again, I, I, I don't. I, I mean, I'm going to drink out of the glass, and our first guy was saying, you should worry about the cleanliness, and that's going to haunt me. But do, do lots of people for soft drinks and stuff, do they ask for straws still? Yes, that's, okay. that's still a, a common request. Um, tea, soft drinks, and certainly Bloody Marys are thicker, you know, yeah. like that. So, which I think you touched. Yeah, I mean, I, I could say, I mean, a Bloody Mary I'd, I'd have out of a straw, but I, I think other than milkshakes, I don't think there's anything else that I would regularly drink out of a straw, including even margaritas. For some reason, I prefer to drink the margaritas and stuff out of the glass when I have them. Yeah, I think when a Bloody Mary, the, the straw becomes more of a mixing device than it is necessarily a drinking device. Right, right. So you don't see this as a you don't see this as a major problem or issue one way or the other. No, I don't, and I think a lot of the good operators are starting to move to a biodegradable type straw, anyways. Which really, within we're, to, you know, within a, a, a few whatever weeks in a landfill would melt into nothing. So right, right, yeah. And again, I, I think so. I mean, see, it's tough for me to get too worked up about this ordinance because the way it's being presented is it's a ban. It, it's not a it's not a ban. It's it's don't give them out, but don't give them out when you serve the drink. But if somebody asks for them and you choose to have it, you you can give them. So I mean, the business person, obviously, you know, in your business, you can make the decision to say, okay, we we're not carrying plastic straws for whatever reason. Maybe it's cost, maybe it's concern about the environment, whatever. And then it just becomes a marketing thing. You know, you're making the decision that hey, we we don't have these anymore. Sorry. And people can decide whether or not that's enough of an issue not to come back to your restaurant or to your bar or whatever. So that, to me, is a free market sort of thing. So like I say, that's why I don't get too worked up about this one way or the other, other than are we ready to just turn our backs on on plastic straws, period. Bob in Milwaukee. Bob, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Hi, How Bob. you doing? I just had a real quick point then. Uh, the point was I'm a, a, a roller coaster enthusiast. Okay. And I've been to all the roller coasters around the East Coast, and Great America always had a problem with garbage all over the place. Right. I went. I, I went to the East Coast, to Kings Island. They don't allow straws. They don't allow lids. They don't allow gum. They don't sell gum or anything. And that's the cleanest park in, that I've ever been to. So they don't allow straws at all. No, it, it doesn't matter. No, no, no They just flat out don't allow straws. No, they don't. You can't even get one. And Great America started that probably seven or eight years ago. It's a very clean park now. Hmm. It's absolutely wonderful to go to. So if I want a straw, I would appreciate a straw, but I don't have to have it. Got it. Hey, let me ask you this, Bob. I did not get the roller coaster gene in our family. My brother did instead. What's your favorite roller coaster that you've been to? Uh, it has to be Cedar Point, the Millennium. It has to be. Okay, Cedar Point is in Ohio, coaster, right? Cedar Point's Cedar Ohio, Point, right? right. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Right, right. That's my favorite one of all time. We go there every two years. Okay. Outstanding. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. And then then no no straws. I, I, I just I, I think we're moving in this direction. And and like I say, if this was a flat out ban, we're going to tell local businesses that they can't offer plastic straws. I might have had a different take on this. 
because all right, do we do we really want to force businesses if there's a huge demand for customers for this? Do we really want to tell them that we can't? Because I think it's kind of questionable as to really when you look at the impact of plastic in the ocean, is it overblown to attribute part of it to to straws? But you know th- this. This isn't a ban. This is, if you want a straw, all you have to do is ask for it, and the business can choose to give it to you. Is it going to make much of a difference? No. Does it make some politicians feel good? Yes. Okay. Got it. No problem. We'll be back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. So, Group, producing the show today, and somebody who has worked in the hospitality industry in your life, our first caller talking about how glasses come out of the dishwasher dirty. That kind of got your attention. Well, yeah, so then you clean them. <laughs> That's right. right. Well, I, I would say that that would be the kind of obvious thing, that if you know if I'm working as a dishwasher or whatever, I put them in, and it comes out, and it's still got lipstick on it, I'm going to wipe it off, or I'm going to put it back in, and, you know. If I'm a bartender, and I take a glass off a shelf, and it has lipstick on it, and I say, okay, I'm going to pour beer and serve this to somebody... <laughs> My manager is grabbing me by the ear and throwing me out. Right, and saying, "Okay, you, you got to have that idea." Yeah, I just it, th- that is the simple sort of answer. Actually, my my very very dear friend Evan is apparently listening. He sent me this note because I was talking about, well, you know, I, I, there's just some stuff you don't drink straws out of. I mean, last night I'm I'm out at dinner. I order myself a, a bourbon neat. And, I mean, I'm not going to be sitting at the bar drinking that bourbon out of a straw. It's just not going to happen. And my friend pointed out correctly, he was confident that the alcohol in the bourbon would probably kill any germs that were on the, on the glass. So A bourbon neat, huh? I've never heard of that. Is that. They put like a bow tie around the, the tumbler of the glass. What do they do there? You don't know? You've never heard the phrase neat? I'm being I'm being fun. Oh, okay. All right. I'm sorry. You got to raise your hand when you're telling a joke. Then I'll get it. I, I, was, just, I, was, I was just kind of wondering, okay, you were trying to tell a joke. All right. Good. That's a cute one there. <laughs> um, all, all right. right. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's it. By the way, WTMJ and Capco Metal Stamping are proud to team up with the 2019 Kids to Kids Christmas Toy Drive. Um, we are on the road, matter of fact, a week from Friday. That's our next remote broadcast. The holiday season is here. We need your help to make a difference for children in our community. For information on where to donate, please go to WTMJ.com. It's the Capco and WTMJ Kids to Kids Christmas Toy Drive. All right. When we come back, impeachment fever, why aren't people catching it? Stick around. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Gru, producing the show today and always, let me give you a chance to redeem yourself after the, the unfunny joke just a little while ago. Um, the Brewers, they, they make a trade. How big a trade is this? Zach Davies who has been pitching for the Brewers since 2015, scheduled, I mean, last year, 10-7. and seven. year before that, he was injured for a while. He was 2-7. 2017, he won uh, 17 games, lost 9. Scheduled to make $5 bucks this year, 27 years old. So they sent him and Trent Grisham, who will be best rec- remembered for committing the error that cost, arguably cost the Brewers the game in the playoffs. And they get... Apparently a hot prospect who plays second base, but essentially shortstop um, to challenge Arcia. And they have a 20, it's a 24-year-old left-handed pitcher who's 14 and 17. So, okay, what do you think of the deal? I like it because I'm a believer of Urias. Uh, Luis Urias was a huge, huge uh, second base prospect, and he just mashed in the minor leagues. Um, 
He was hitting like 340 in AAA with Okay, no, they're not going to play him at second base because second base is taken up. You've got the you've got the the guys they have. Yeah, so we'll see how his fielding is, but I mean if he hits like he hit in AAA, he's going to be ten, 10 times better than Trent Grisham. Okay, well, but the, all right, the 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 question is, I mean, the, the thinking is they're bringing him up to challenge for Arcia because they're not happy with Arcia's play. Um, that's, I mean, do you do you, does it, you switch this guy out for Arcia? I think it's going to be sort of like in the beginning of the year how we had Shaw and Moose at third base, sort of fifty fifty a little bit. We're going to okay. have to see how it plays out. Are you concerned that even though he hit in the minor leagues, he was in San Diego all last year and hit like two twenty? A little bit. But I, I think honestly, I'm, I'm I'm more confident that he's going to pick it up. Yeah, and I think it's sort of a horse apiece for the pitching. Yeah, I guess I I don't. Yeah, that's kind of my take. Do I do I see this as this huge deal? No, it it's not. But I mean, I understand. Zach Davies, who was a good guy and a serviceable pitcher, but he kind of was what what he was. He got the most out of his athletic ability. And let's be honest, the Brewers are doing things this year to to save salary. Um, in order, I think that they're going to go after a couple free agents. I mean, you know, they, they didn't re-sign Yasmani Grandal. That that takes $18 million off the books. Zach Davies was scheduled to order uh, to make $5 million this year. That That's off the books. The guy they're bringing in is uh, probably going to be making comparatively, not that any major league salary is peanuts, but comparative peanuts. So, I mean, they're saving a bunch of money um, with that. And you get a left-handed pitcher who's 24 years old. Maybe you figure his best days are ahead of him. And you get, again, I, from Trent Grisham's perspective, I think – I think a change of scenery is good because I think in Milwaukee, he's always going to be remembered as that guy that made that error that might have cost them a chance to advance. Well, for sure now. Yeah. I mean, we're never going to remember him for anything else now. Well, it's kind of like a few years ago when you had the Packers tight end, the, the guy that was on the kickoff team. They're heading for the Super Bowl. And was it Bostic? Was that the guy's name? Yeah, and, Brandon Bostic. And, and what he's supposed to do is block. And instead of following the instructions, he rushes up, tries to grab the ball, and fumbles it. I mean, that he, he is. you're probably too young to remember T.J. Rubley. But T.J. Rubley was a, a Packers backup quarterback who was he played in one game and the instructions were kneel down. That that's all he was supposed to do because they were trying to set him up for a field goal. And instead of kneeling down, he decides to kind of like roll out or something and ends up fumbling the ball and it costs the Packers the game. I, I think Trent Grisham, fair or unfair, might have been kind of like a TJ Rubley. So I I wish him the best. Give him another start. So Yeah, and, and like you said, like Luis Urias, he's only he was called up only once last year. I don't think they sent him down. So we're gonna be able to send him down triple a if he's not performing a couple times like we did with shaw right so and it challenges know, I mean, RCA, who's not hitting yeah okay yeah i agree i'm not i don't i don't think it's that bad uh i, I don't think it's this blockbuster trade but they're trying to get better and i do think it lays the groundwork for other stuff because again they're and i don't say this in a critical way Early on, they've made moves to save money. Okay, Grundahl's eighteen millions come off. Uh, they didn't. Um, they didn't exercise the option for Eric Thames that would have been like seven million bucks or something in that neighborhood. Not to say they can't bring him back for less money, but I, I think 
they're trying to save money to try to, I don't know if it's bringing Moustakis back. I don't know, which I'd love to see if they can get him at the right price. Um, or maybe like recognizing that the pitching staff has to get better and maybe trying to spend some money on that. Yeah, extend Yelich maybe. Who knows? Yeah, that's coming up in a couple of years. That's going to be tough. That's going to be tough. But, you know, in, in and in the great thing is this is the hot stove league. People get to get to analyze this. All right. There is an Associated Press story that is out today. I, I have this in my hands. Impeachment fight leaves voters cold in contested Wisconsin. And it's a story where their national reporters went to Racine and they started interviewing people like in diners and stuff in, in Racine. And, okay, well, here, here's the thing that they asked. They said, okay, there's been 30 hours of televised hearings on impeachment. There's been a dozen witnesses. There's been a couple of quote-unquote major revelations, and there's been scores of tweeted rebuttals. And so that they say to Wisconsinites, all right, has has anything that's been going on over the course of the last few weeks, has it changed your mind about impeachment? And the answer resoundingly is no. People are telling them, and people are telling them, no, it's people either think, oh, Donald Trump is a venal crook, and to save this country, he needs to be removed as soon as possible, or people are saying, well, no, we, we think this is a witch hunt, or some people are saying, well, you know, we don't like this, but we, we don't support it. But the bottom line is, what the Associated Press is finding in their anecdotal interviews, is there's no movement. You've had all these hearings. People have already decided the position. CNN came out with a poll yesterday. Now, if anything, the last couple weeks with the televised hearings that were kind of orchestrated by the House of Representatives, and it was clearly designed to try to move the needle on impeachment, to get a whole bunch of people who might not have supported impeachment and removal, get them on board. The purpose was to show, oh, Trump is terrible, Trump's got to be removed in order to save the republic, and we have to do it before the elections next November. And the CNN poll essentially said no, nothing had moved. Half of Americans said Trump should be removed, impeached and removed from office. 43% said he had not. Neither number had changed since October. The, the numbers are just completely and totally baked in. And when you look at independence, independence, 47% favor impeachment and removal, 45% are opposed. So effectively, it's within the margin of error. You're, you're talking about 50-50. Nine in ten people on either side say they feel strongly either in favor or against it. So nothing has changed. And nothing, I think it's fair to say, nothing is going to change. And so what's happening now is you have a number of the more moderate Democrats who represent some of these swing districts, like maybe they won the election in 2018, but these are districts where President Trump won in 2016, they're starting to freak out about this because what they're saying is, look, there's not overwhelming support for this. Yes, you know, we're, we're divided as a country, but we've been divided since Donald Trump won the election. But in our districts, we have not convinced 
are potential swing voters that President Trump needs to be removed. And we've had the Mueller reports, and we've had the Mueller hearings, and we've had now, you know, a week or two weeks of this, and we've had all these investigations, and and essentially we remain split. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I discussed this before, but I, I want to bring it up because I – I, I want to ask honestly, you know, what's the best thing for this country? Here is the reality. Democrats can go ahead. They can return articles of impeachment. All right. The, the, pop, the public opinion is not, in my opinion, going to change. All right. People already have their attitudes baked in. So you return the articles of impeachment. The case goes over to the Senate. There's no way you get two-thirds of the senators to vote to remove him. It's just not. There's 53 Republican senators. Even if you lose one or two, that still leaves you 15 short. And maybe a couple Democrats in vulnerable districts, maybe they're going to vote against removal. So this is where we are. This is the reality. The American public... Um, if you believe polls, and I, I think in this case it's probably pretty reliable, it's baked in. Everybody has their opinion. Donald Trump isn't going anywhere until the elections next November, and maybe not even then. People are dug in. In Wisconsin, the latest Marquette University Law School poll actually showed that the impeachment thing was backfiring against Democrats because people, believe it or not, in some cases are starting to see Donald Trump as a victim. So 414-799-1620, that's the accurate mortgage talk and text line. I I continue to think the solution here is, is a simple one. Abandon the impeachment stuff because it's not going to happen. If you want to express outrage over this particular phone call, well, the easiest way to do it is you just return a motion to censor the president. Say, we think this was inappropriate. Does that have any practical effect? No, it, it, it doesn't. But at least it puts, you know, Congress on record as saying how they felt about this. And candidly, I think maybe a resolution of censor accomplishes as much, if not more, than returning articles of impeachment that are further going to divide the country and at the end of the day isn't going to remove him. 414-799-1620. This whole impeachment circus, this whole impeachment process has become, I think, a circus. Impeachment is a political decision. It's not going to happen as a matter of reality. Probably 45, 48, 50 percent of the American people don't think it should happen. So why are we going ahead with this? Don't we want to concentrate on other things? 414-799-1620. Let's start with Dave in Oak Creek. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Dave. Thanks for calling. Bottom line is whether the Democrats win or lose, what they are doing with this is sucking up all the air in the room. It's all everything is talking about. Nobody else even gets a word in edgewise. And just like your show, your show, even though it's, as you labeled it, a circus, you're talking about it. Mm -hmm. And you're using up time that, you know, nobody else can get their message out. So what the Democrats are trying to do is basically use up all the air in the room and ride it until the next election. Okay, but does that work? Because I think, you know, with the view of history, I think most people would agree that when Republicans tried the the same thing, went after Bill Clinton, tried to impeach him based on his lies about the Monica Lewinsky thing, it ended up 
backfiring because a lot of people, believe it or not, saw Clinton as a victim of an overzealous Congress. Could this backfire on Democrats? It could, but you know who it hasn't backfired on? Donald Trump. His strategy was to dominate the airwaves, say anything and everything prior to the previous election, and guess what? Nobody else got heard, and it worked for him. He sucked up. When he would go into those debates, he would say things that, Oh yeah. If you asked what anybody other of the Republican candidates said, they people would say no because they were so fixated on what Donald Trump said. Oh, oh yeah. Well, and just look at the descriptions. I mean, I you know John, John John McCain. I don't consider him a war hero. War heroes aren't the ones that get shot down. What? You know, exactly. Right? Interesting. Exactly. No, thanks for the perspective. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I understand when I when I talk in this fashion, it infuriates some people because oh, you've got to remove Donald Trump. Well, okay, that's, that's I live in this real world. It's not going to happen. It, it's just, it's not going to happen. So, you know, why don't we return a ver- I Look, I don't think this was a perfect phone call. I, I mean, I, I think, you know, asking a foreign government to investigate an American citizen, I don't think you should ever do that. It was far from a perfect phone call. I personally don't believe it's impeachable. But regardless, he's not going to be removed from office Given that reality, why are we going through this complicated kabuki dance? We all understand what the facts are. We know where the American public is. Why don't we just move on and then let this matter resolve itself like it will in any event in November when we have this thing? What's that thing called? Oh, yes, a presidential election. 414-799-1620. Back with more in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 414-799-1620. We say in the open, one of the lines I say is I live in this real world, and if, if there was going to be a huge movement one way or the other on the impeachment issue, it, it would have happened after last week's televised hearings. You know, you, you had all these people come in, and the, the press coverage in general was incredibly negative to the president, but it hasn't moved the needle at all. If anything, Americans are more split, more dug in on their positions than ever. And if you agree with me that impeachment is a political tool, you you don't remove somebody from office if, you know, it's a 50-50 deal or if the poll shows it's 50-48. You need a groundswell of support to do that. And we don't have it and we're not going to get it. So why not maybe a resolution of censor and then and then move on? Because, again, if President Trump is going to be removed from office, it's going to be by the voters and it's going to be next november todd in greenfield todd you're on wtmj thanks for taking my call Jeff. hi todd hi um well the democrats when they decided to go ahead with this impeachment they're in it to win it if they back down now and do the censure like you're saying they're going to be admitting that they shouldn't have done it so it's going to make them look even worse so i think they they feel that they need to follow through with this to the end even if they know you're ultimately going to lose, because then they can just say, well, you know, we, we did this, we did the quote-unquote right thing, and if the Senate doesn't, it's not our problem. Well, sure. Plus, the talking heads on all the other stations will just continue to, yeah. you know, look at every little thing they can smear them on and continue that all also till the next election. Are you surprised that this isn't resonating more with the American people, that, that you know, we, we have this... We have this split that, you know, and, and it's it appears intractable, you know, 40, 
47, 48%, whatever, say impeach and remove, slightly, but pretty much about the same number, probably say don't. Are you surprised that people haven't moved, that they're just so dug in? No, I'm not, because when you look at what people listen to, it's what they believe. Yeah. My kids in school think that Trump is an idiot because that's the that's message they're getting through school and teachers. Yeah. And what, you know, I'm just saying, it's what they hear. No, I th- well, thanks. I mean, I, I think people people are... And this has been something that's been going on for years and years. But I think we are probably more polarized now than ever. But but yeah, I I, I agree. Nothing again. Nothing is going to change in this regard. And yeah, yeah so we're going to spend December and we're going to draft articles of impeachment, and they'll get headlines, and then it'll go over to the Senate, and there'll be a week long trial, and there there won't be a finding of removal. And then end of January, we're going to have the State of the Union address, and we'll be right back where we were. Maybe can't we just short-circuit a couple of those steps and start to solve or at least try to solve some of the problems that we, we really have, some of the real problems that can, in fact, be solved? Just ask him. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. I was talking to somebody who was getting ready to launch their career. It doesn't matter what the field is in the other day. And and they were asking me, of all people, like career advice. And we were talking through different sort of things. And I I said, I, I think you would be good at this particular thing. And the person said, yeah, I, I'd, I'd really like to do that. And I, 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 and I said, well, okay, well, why haven't you, why aren't you pursuing this little area more aggressively? And the, the person I was talking to said, well, I, I think I'd really like to do it, but I, I'm afraid that it wouldn't work out. I'm afraid if I tried to do this right now, I would fail. And I, I said, so what? And the person said, well, I, I, I'm afraid it, it, it wouldn't work. I'm afraid it would fail. And I said again, well, well so what? And, and I went on to tell the story about how I, I know a number of people who are incredibly successful in their life. And I would say, well, with very few exceptions, almost all of those folks had failed in one thing or another but before. You know, the, the, the first time, you know, they started a business, it, it didn't take off, you know, but they learned from things. And so, like, maybe the, the second or sometimes the third time, they ended up getting it right, and now they're incredibly successful. Or, you know, they, they were involved in business, and they did they did things one way, and it didn't work out, and they, you know, were, were pacing the floors, hey, is the business going to go under? And then, you know, gradually they got better at it, or stuff happened, and, and now they're just incredibly successful. I, I can't tell you, and I was telling this person I was talking to, how many people that, that are, are like that. That I that I know who who maybe they failed once or twice. And I, I went on to tell the story about back back in the day when I was a trial lawyer. All right. I, as a prosecutor, I don't I as a prosecutor. I think if you show me a prosecutor who's never lost a case, I will show you a prosecutor who's not trying the tough ones. But nevertheless, you 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 got a. You got to win most of them. If you're losing lots of cases, you got a problem. And I, I think as I look back on my all the years I spent as a prosecutor, I can count on the fingers of I don't even need all the fingers on one hand to count the number of of, of jury trials I lost. But I will tell you, and I was saying this, you know, I, I didn't like losing. 
And, you know, you learn, I always think, a lot more from losing than you do from winning. And those very small number of trials that were, you know, we, we didn't win, I went back and I spent a lot of time trying to figure out, okay, why why did this happen? What could we have done? What could I have done differently? And it made me a better lawyer, no question about it. Whereas the ones you win, you just say, okay, I won. Let let's move on to to the next thing, which which brings me to this piece that was in the New York Times the other day. Uh, the, the headline is, "What doesn't kill you makes you stronger," and it, it is. On the one hand, it's it's a cliche that everybody's heard, you know, thousands of times during their life. But you know what? The purpose of this article it said it says that cliche is supported by by science. And there's this big study out there that says that you know most most successful people have had or had had, and it doesn't matter what the field is, they had early career setbacks. You know, the first time they came up with this idea. It didn't work out right, and, and, and maybe it caused a lot of anguish and it caused some tough times, but the, the bottom line is that you know people who've had setbacks and have been able to come back, typically, you know, when you result, when you look at their careers, those are the people that have longer careers and arguably more successful careers. And so my, my advice to this person I was talking to is, look, if this is something you want to do, and I understand that there's some risks involved, and you don't want to be irresponsible with it. But but don't let that fear of failure stop you from doing this, because again, most of the success, most of the most successful people I know, they've they've tried, they had failure, and they were to they were able to overcome it. Our number is four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What do you think about that theory? Is it true that, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger? And is it, in fact, true that, you know, maybe from adversity, you face adversity, particularly earlier in your career, you, you try something, it doesn't work out. You start in a job, okay, it doesn't work out. Maybe you get fired, whatever, you leave. But but don't you learn something? Because, again, I most people I know would tell you, yeah, th- this was kind of a tough thing, and we made all sorts of mistakes, and I tried this, and I wanted to do that. And then, you know, this thing that I always thought that I wanted to do, once I got into doing it, I found out I didn't really like it that well, but it led me to something else that I liked better. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Again, one of the things that I see as, as something that's, that's kind of a trait of a lot of successful people is is they've tried stuff, particularly early in their careers, they haven't. Maybe they failed at it, but that that lack of success has has set them up for success later on in life. Are you somebody like that? Do you know people like that? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I, and I'll tell you honestly, I think that there's um again a, a lot of really really successful people out there who. Not too many of them have had that Midas touch where everything, everything they touched just worked out. Let's start with Jeff in Waukesha. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I, I I just think about this, and I think it's probably more prevalent in younger, uh, the younger generation, simply because they really haven't been taught to lose. I mean, mm-hmm. look at these school programs where, you know, at a younger age, well, we can't keep score because everybody's got to get a trophy. And, 
that's when you learn to improve yourself. And I think that's been followed through their generation that, oh, hey, don't worry, you know, everything's okay. And, and you know, where my generation came from, it was like, you got to figure it out and pull up your bootstraps. Right. And, and so, sometimes it's not going to work out for you. But, you know, that that's just maybe it's circumstances beyond your control. Maybe you made a couple of mistakes. The key is... Okay, just to to pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and and learn from your mistakes, and go on with right, it. Exactly, and I and I see that with uh, the younger generation afraid to actually go out once they get a career to figure out, well, gee, how am I going to do the household thing? How, how am I going to manage the monies? And it's a big surprise to them. Whereas when I was fifteen, sixteen years old, I was managing my money back then and working and going to school. So, yeah, it's, it must be very shocking to them. Yeah, and yeah, gee, I'm taking a risk. Now, thanks for calling. And I really, I guess I don't, I don't want to just turn into a discussion of oh, what's wrong with the younger generation. But, but there is, I think, this thing. And I was trying to pass it on, saying, look, I mean, most people, most people do have setbacks. Most people have things that haven't worked out. Some of them are public. Some of them are are really or perhaps private. But. You dust yourself off. You learn from that, and you allow that to, you know, open open a door for you. Isn't that how it works? Joe and Hubertus. Joe, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon. What, so mine's not necessarily a fail story, um, but for years, um, I, I had a job that I guess I was I was underemployed. wasn't the, necessarily the greatest job for me, and kind of shoot at me. But one of my service techs that that worked at the site that I had managed for a while, ended up bringing me on board, pitched me into the company for him. I took a job with the company he was working for. I now make twice the money. So it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, it might not have been the greatest job, but I would have never found this without it. Right. Right. Exactly. And and I think you deserve credit for being willing to take the risk because my guess is it would have been a lot more comfortable to stay where you were and maybe not be as happy and maybe make not make as much money. But, you know, you had that security of being able to do there. You, you take a risk and, and it ends up working out. Very well. It, it really did. No, that's well, and seeing that's that you know, that's one of the keys that's out there. So it's interesting because, like I say, there's this new study out that says, Early, believe it or not, early career setbacks can, in fact, set up people for success. And, and what they, they did is they, how, how do you come up with that? Well, because anecdotally, that, that's, you know, that, that has been my life experience when I, again, I get to hang out with successful people from time to time. And, and pretty much all of them will, will tell you about the, the failures before they ended up being successful. But what these researchers did is they looked at two groups of young, statistically identical scientists. One group that had just barely secured a grant from the National Institute of Health, the narrow wins, and one group that just barely missed securing the same grant, the near misses. And after 10 years, they found that the loop Losing group had gone on to have more successful and impactful careers than the group had won the grant. So you know, you, you, the, the people that that got turned down for this, you know, they they went from there and they, they've outperformed the people who who won. And I guess I I just think that that's that's kind of the reality that that's out there. So I bring this up, especially the day before Thanksgiving, because maybe. 
you know, maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow, you're going to be sitting around that family table and you're going to have a conversation like this. Maybe it's going to be your, your, you know, your, your high school age kids or your high school age grandkids, or maybe it's going to be the niece or nephew, um, who are getting ready to try to figure out what they want to do to college, or maybe they're just out of college and they're looking for a job, or maybe they're in their twenties and they're underemployed or unhappy or whatever, and they come to you, their successful aunt, their successful uncle, their successful grandfather, their successful, you know, godfather, their successful family friend, and, and they ask you for for advice. All right, sometimes just telling people what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, I think is really, really good advice. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Join us a week from tomorrow. That would be Thursday, December 5th. It is our annual, fifth annual holiday radio show. A new location this year. We're going to be at the Italian Community Center in Milwaukee's Third Ward. Uh, It's a wonderful venue. And in addition to being a wonderful venue to put on a presentation, it's also free parking. Free parking just right across the way at the Italian Community Center, so you don't have to worry about that. We're doing something a little bit this year. The first two years, it was sort of remade traditional Christmas plays. There was uh, It's a Wonderful Life, and uh, we did a Christmas carol. The last two years were individual, like, newly written radio plays. This year's a little bit different. We want to kind of change it up. So this year, it's game shows, skits. I've started to see the program and what I'm supposed to do. Plus, there, I've got a little feature. I've got a vignette that I'm going to be doing. I'm particularly proud of some of that stuff. Kept working on it. Think funny. Think funny. Think funny. Think we've kind of got it there. Bottom line is the tickets are only $25. And I know we've had a number of you who've come year after year after year. We would love to see you for a fifth year. The tickets, 25 bucks. All ticket sales help support Capco and our WTMJ Radio's Kids to Kids Toy Drive. Now, this typically sells out. Like I say, we've got, we started a little bit later this year in promoting it than we did in years past, but the show is going to be a week from tomorrow, $25. The only way, there's not tickets that are available at the door. So what you have to do is you have to go to our website, WTMJ.com. You scroll half the way down. It says Kids to Kids Christmas. You put in your information, and then you can print out the tickets, and you are all set. So we hope to see you a week from tomorrow night at the Italian Community Center. It is the WTMJ Holiday Radio Show. It is presented by Capco Metal Stamping, Capri Senior Communities, the Bartolotta Restaurants, and VMP Healthcare and Community Living in West Dallas. It should be a lot of fun. Hey, something that I'm, as somebody who, who watches trends in pop culture, I'm really curious to see what happens this weekend. This has always traditionally been one of the big weekends for movies. And, of course, last weekend you had Frozen 2, the sequel to Frozen, the like animated thing that, that debuted, did, did huge box office. Um, some other movies debuted. I was kind of surprised that the Mr. Rogers movie underperformed a little bit, but maybe that'll pick up. So th- this has traditionally been a, a big weekend for movies. It's a big weekend for movies as well, but it's a little bit different this year because today – On Netflix, now Netflix is, of course, the streaming service. 60 million people in the U.S. have it. You know, Netflix, of course, they they have original programming, like a a lot of series. They have TV shows from the past that you can watch. I've been in the process of binge-watching The West Wing. They've got, um, I 
various documentaries that they air, and they've got like a lot of you know theatrical releases that were released a number of years ago. Netflix also comes out with its own original movies. For example, last month Netflix dropped the 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 El Camino, the Breaking Bad movie, the sequel to the end of Breaking Bad, and it it did. Again, it's not huge business in the sense that you don't have to pay specifically to see it, but you know you have to pay to have Netflix. And uh, Netflix said it averaged more than 6.5 million viewers, you know, when it was first shown. So very, very successful. Today, Netflix has dropped what might be the movie that wins the Oscar next, you know, next season, and that is the crime thriller The Irishman. This is. Uh, Martin Scorsese's, he's got another game. This is the guy that did, you know, the, um, that did Goodfellows, for example, um, and a number of other mob-related movies. Well, okay, it's a crime drama, The Irishman. It's, it's the story of Jimmy Hoffa. Al Pacino plays Jimmy Hoffa and um, Hoffa's involvement with the mob, etc. Um, Robert De Niro, who... You know, who's, I think, a great American actor who's kind of gone over the deep end on politics. But De Niro's in it. Joe Pesci's come out of retirement. He's in it. Ray Romano is in it. And again, Al Pacino stars as as Jimmy Hoffa. It's they debuted it in theaters a couple weeks ago. Matter of fact, somebody called in and told me that they had seen it and really enjoyed it in the theaters. They put it in the theaters so it could be eligible for the Oscars. But now it's going to it debuted today on Netflix. It's a three and a half hour movie, so it's a long time. But a lot of the speculation is because again, there's millions and millions of people who have Netflix that there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be staying out of movie theaters this week and and watching The Irishman. If you want to see a movie, why go to if, if this is the best movie that's out there, you know? And we've got Netflix. Why go to a theater and spend ten or twelve or fifteen dollars or whatever it is? Let's stay home and, and watch this. So this is one of the real curious things. They've been talking about this movie for a long, long time. I admit I'm kind of fascinated by it. I, it's it's one of those deals where I think to be fair, you you should. If it's a three and a half hour movie, you you should commit yourself to being able to watch it all the way through, and. I just look at my schedule over the next couple of days, and I'm not sure where that three and a half hours is is coming. You going to be watching this group? Yeah, like you, I, eventually, but I have no idea when. Yeah, I mean, I, I and I'm anxious to see it. I mean, this is one of the Breaking Bad movie that was that was two hours, and I watched it the morning it broke because I, I wanted to see this. I want to see The Irishman. I want to see it all the way through, and I just I got to find three and a half hours to do it. Am I getting up at two thirty tomorrow morning to do it? No, but it, it looks good, and I I think what's really going to be interesting about this again is somebody who focuses on pop culture. Is this going to be the trend that you have more and more of these major Hollywood movies? And this thing costs like over $100 million to make. I mean, Netflix dumped a whole bunch of money. Big-time director, big-time stars, huge budget. They dumped a whole lot of money into making this. And I guess the question becomes, if this is really a success and it takes off, is this going to be something that is truly transformative in the movie industry where more and more movies are made for streaming services as opposed to this others? Interesting question. I'm going to be watching it. I'm sure a lot of other people will be watching it. But the big issue is what does this do to movie theaters moving forward? This is Jeff Wagner. 
Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Hey, some special Thanksgiving-related memory segments coming up about 2.30 this afternoon, right after Melissa's bottom-of-the-hour news. Stick around for that. We're going to have a little bit of fun as we look back on Thanksgiving's past. A couple of things before that. Regardless of how you feel about Native American nicknames in in schools, and and right now in Wisconsin, 31 school districts still have Native American imagery as mascots. Regardless of how you feel about it, I think it's fair to say that there, there could not have been a situation mishandled more than what's been going on in Menominee Falls. Menominee Falls has been the Menominee Falls. They've been the Menominee Falls Indians for forever. And it's really, it's kind of a part of the community. And it's not used in a derisive fashion. It's not used in a mocking fashion. I was telling the story the other day. I have been... Menominee Falls is is kind of a convenient place um, for I have a number of friends and friends friends that kind of live in different areas and it's a convenient place to meet it's kind of like nobody has to drive too far so in the last couple of weeks I've been in a couple restaurants taverns whatever in Menominee Falls and I'm struck by the fact that there's because that's the high school nickname and because so many people you know came up through Menominee Falls High School I'm stuck I'm struck by the imagery I was in a place the other night where you know there's there there's a, a statue of a Native American of an Indian and there's all these these different things related to the team. It's a part of the community, and it's not used in a negative sort of fashion at all. There's not negative caricatures. There's not stereotypical types of pictures like the old image that they used to use for the Cleveland Indians or stuff like that. It's a gesture of respect. What happened in Menominee Falls was you have – a school superintendent, a new school superintendent who's not ready for prime time, and he decided without really cluing the public in that he wanted to make this the cause. We've got to get rid of the Indians. Remember, this is the guy that sends out an email saying, hey, th- this is gone. I'm already moving away from it. We're going to do this, and this is going to happen. Uh, it will be gone, or I will be gone. You know, and, But he didn't want that to become public. But that, that's what the plan has been all along. The um, president of the school board appears to be on board with that. And so they kind of cooked up this idea that they're going to get rid of the nickname. And they really don't care, at least in my opinion, what people in the community think. Because they've decided this is the politically correct thing to do. So they've been having these kind of public hearings. But the public hearings have been largely staged. The first couple, um, there were, for example... You know, Native Americans who were hand chosen and invited to participate, and they knew that these would be members of the Native American community who who didn't like the Indian nickname. All right. So it's all been kind of a stacked deck. Meanwhile, people in Menominee Falls in general have, I think, been getting increasingly angry that they their voice isn't being heard. 
and that this all appears to be pretty much of a done deal, just a, a fait accompli, and the rest of this stuff is just kind of a dog and pony show to maybe cover their butts. But instead of covering the butts, it's, it's getting worse and worse because a lot of people in the community have just decided that the school board doesn't care what they think. The school superintendent, not ready for prime time, doesn't care what people think, and they're just going to blast ahead and do what they're going to do. So interestingly, they had another one of these hearings the other night. Lots of people attended. There was a rally that was held before the school board meeting, and it's interesting because a group of the residents who support the Indians' nickname, you know, they they rallied and they said, here, well, we're here because we're supporting the entire village of Menominee Falls. This has been an unfair process, and we're not going to just sit by watching them take the name away and run with it. Um, to be honest, and then one of the people they quote says that, you know, and again, it's an anecdotal sort of thing, but that they estimate that the overwhelming majority of people in Menominee Falls support the Indians' nickname and want to see it kept. So one of the things they did is they did a survey. Apparently the school board did a survey of the kids that are currently at the school to try to determine, you know, how do people feel about this? And if you look at the results of this survey, you start to understand why the school board, which apparently has made up its mind, and the school superintendent who's pushing this, why they are so afraid of putting this matter to a referendum. According to one of the school board members, they they did the survey. 60% of the students surveyed want to keep the nickname. 60%. 23% have no opinion. They don't care. 16% wanted to change the name. Fewer than 2 out of 10 believe that the name should be changed. And apparently the school board is prepared to go ahead and change the name. My guess is if you had a referendum in Menominee Falls, allowed the voters to decide this, my guess is the numbers would probably be similar. My guess is you have about 60% of the population that feels strongly the name shouldn't be changed. Maybe you have about 16% who feels that it, it should be changed. And then maybe that, that 23% of the kids who have no opinion. My guess is it, it probably breaks 50-50. I think if you had a referendum on this issue in Menominee Falls, 70%, 7 out of 10 people would probably support leaving the nickname as it is. And yet the school board appears to be on the verge of saying, we don't care what the kids think. We don't care what the general public thinks. We're going to do whatever we want to do. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I don't think this is any way to run a railroad. And this really is a railroad job that is going out in Menominee Falls. I don't think they're given the history of this nickname. And I understand people feel strongly both ways. I don't think there is any way in the world that the school board should walk away from this nickname without allowing the voters to directly decide. Given the fact that removing it, I think, doesn't have anywhere near a majority of popular support, I think to remove this nickname, to change it without 
allowing the voters to decide in a referendum would be appalling and it would be a basis candidly for next time they're up removing from office anybody on the school board that decided to do this without giving the public a chance to vote. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think what the school board knows is if they put this to a vote, just like when they did the survey asking the kids at school, I think they know overwhelming majorities want to keep this nickname. And yet, in the face of political correctness and what I call the tyranny of the minority, yeah, I think the school board, or at least perhaps a majority of them, along with the not ready for prime time superintendent, have decided that they don't care what the public thinks. 414-799-1620, should they? We discuss in just a minute. If you're on the line, please hold on. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's start with John in Heartland. Hi, John. Hi, Jeff. How are you? I'm well, thank you. What should happen here? Good. Well, I'm calling regarding the uh, Menominee Falls uh, School Board, right? Uh, wanting to change the name uh, uh, against what would be uh, public opinion, or not putting it to a referendum. This thing, same thing, happened up in Hurley, Wisconsin, recently, where the uh, Hurley Midgets. The midgets. Yeah, early midgets uh, uh, were changed to the North Stars by uh, the school board uh, after realizing that if they put it to a referendum, it would not have passed. Right. And uh, uh, I say to the people, oh, if the school board goes ahead and does this, that they should just vote them all out of office. Or at least the ones that do that. Right. I mean, it, it's look, th- this is obviously, I, I think Menominee Falls, the school board, Together with the superintendent, they made the decision that they wanted to do this. This was a plan. They kind of greased the skids. This is how it's going to be. And it's blown up in their face because what they're finding is there's mass opposition to this. And, I, I mean, I, I I think you're right. If you want to – I mean, I understand you elect people to make decisions. But in this particular case, if the elected people are just don't care what you think, there's no other choice but to vote them out when you get the next uh, chance. Exactly, and that did happen up at Hurley, where several uh, school board yeah. members were voted out of office. You know, I love that uh, story about the midgets because that whatever that conference is that they're up at Hurley, there's another team in that same conference. It's called the midgets as well. You had two midgets in that in that one area. I think there's only like eight teams across the country that have the nickname midgets, and there was two that right. was in whatever that conference was up there. Exactly. Exactly. So, Interesting. No, yeah. thanks for calling. No, I I agree. I see. Look, I I understand you elect people to make decisions, but this this is one where, in my opinion, you have certain members of the school board who clearly have an agenda. They've tried to orchestrate this. They've tried to grease the skids for it. It's blown up in their face, and now you know. Now they've apparently, I think, decided. Well, we don't care what the general public thinks. 414-799-1620. Victor in Menominee Falls. Hi, Victor. How you doing? Good. Good. Hey, I just called in. want to let you know, um, I'm an attendant at the Menominee Falls High School, and okay. uh, I've got a few kids in my class, you know, in my general close friend group, and they're 96, 97% Native American, and they look at our school nickname, and they say, hey, you know, I really enjoy um, you know, going to the school and having that as our 
um, mascot. Well, right. It's not. It's not a mocking thing. It's. It's a tribute. It's. Hey, you know, we're. You know, it's. It's a very, very positive thing. And there, none of the imagery is associated with like caricatures of Native Americans or stuff like that. Every time I'm out in Menominee Falls and I see the things, it's. It, it, it's a positive, and that's the intent of it, and that's the way most people, I think, assume it is. Right. Right. I totally agree. I think you know, in the general public. Um, people look up to it. They like it. They see the Indian. They think of, hey, this is Menominee Falls. We get united behind it. Right. It's, uh, it's a forward-looking thing. Right. Right. Exactly. So you think you think they're going to change the nickname when the, they have their next meeting in early December? I think if they if they don't put it to a vote, I'll be very disappointed in the school board. Um, I know we had Corey Gala come visit in our class uh, one day. Right. And you know, he says he wants to do what's good for the public and. Uh, he hasn't realized that the public's vote is 70% the majority of keeping the name. <laughs> right, so. yeah, that's the school superintendent who also, before that, ended up sending out an email saying that he, he was going to quit. This name is going to be changed or I'm going to be gone. Um, so, I mean, he's pretty much predetermined what's going to happen, regardless of what the public thinks. Right, right. I think um, if he can't get the way that he wants it, that you know, that just flakes off on him. That makes him look like a bad person. You know, well, if, he, if he doesn't get what he wants. You right, know. right. Thank, thanks, Scott. I mean, this is this is the classic example of how not to handle something. The way the school board and the way the school superintendent have gone about this have completely divided the community. You know, it, to me, it, this is an issue where you put it, you allow the voters to decide, and you make the you make the argument about this. But you know, the the, the survey of the kids. I think is probably pretty much representative. Like I say, my guess is you have a referendum; it passes like seventy to thirty. That that's by pass. I mean, they they. If you say, should we keep the nickname? It's probably about seventy thirty. Yes. So in the face of that, why would you why would you make the decision to change? Sue in Sussex. Sue, you're on WTMJ. Hello. 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 What do you think? Um, well, what I think is I think it should not be put to a referendum. Um, I think I think I graduated from uh, North many, many years ago, mm-hmm. 1958 to be exact. They weren't the Indians then, were they? Yes, they were. Oh, okay, all right. Yes, they were. So it, it's been a long time. And I mean... Uh, I too thought it was it was great. You know, the headdresses the the people wore when they were majorettes and so on and so forth were very impressive, and it was a positive thing. But I do think as we grow and we learn, um, I do think we have to accept the fact that when something is perceived as being um, detrimental to a community of people that maybe we should think about how much it's worth spending our time arguing. Well, well let me ask you this, but who gets to decide that? I, I mean, who who gets to decide that, it, that it's detrimental? If you have one or two people out of ten who are offended by something, trust me, you, you, I, you can find one or two people out of ten who are going to be offended about just about everything. Who gets to decide that? I think it's the people who absolutely know how it affects other people. I mean, uh, I, I, uh, my professional life was in human resources, mm-hmm. and we trained people in how to deal with perceptions of mm-hmm. other people. And I think this is one of their cases where even though the public thinks it's a good thing, and I did too at first, I had to give it a lot of thought, um, I do think that they can be wrong. Not it, it, The numbers in this case are not something that can determine uh, a feeling or a thing like that. 
So um, I do think people have to give this another thought. Is this where we really want to spend our time? There are there are surveys of Native Americans. Um, and, and interestingly, it comes up in connection with the Washington Redskins, which I think you can make an argument is is a, is much more offensive than than the, the nickname Indians. Okay, right. and, and and these surveys are pretty consistent. And they show that the majority of Native Americans don't even have a problem with the name Redskins in the context of the Washington Redskins. So I I guess that my question is, how do you get the consensus? Is it is it one person that's a member of a tribe who gets to make the decision? That that's the the, the problem I have. Who, who ultimately gets to be that arbiter who decides, well, yes, I, I know better than the majority of people? I don't know, but I do think that uh, I do think we have to educate the public maybe in, mm-hmm. in what this does to certain people. I, it's, you know, I could be wrong. I'm just telling no, you. No, I appreciate I, your perspective. Yeah, yeah. No, no, thanks. No, it, it's not a I, – I don't know if it's a wrong or a right type of thing, but I, I, don't, I don't know who gets to make that decision. That's why – I think you you leave it up to the public, and you and and right, and you you have the the debate, but then if it's a situation where you've got sixty five or seventy percent of the public who say no, there's not a problem with this, and we're proud of it, does that mean that you have to give in to what I describe as the tyranny of the minority? Look, I, I think this is a done deal. I think the effect is going to be members of the school board who vote to change the nickname are going to be out of office. That the next time you know this happens, and if they do it without a referendum, they should be out of office one way or the other. The school superintendent who's botched this from the beginning, he's on borrowed time. That that's just kind of the reality of this. Um, whether or not it's the Menominee Falls Indians, look, I, I don't live in Menominee Falls. I didn't go to Menominee Falls, but I, again, it's this political correctness run amok that you see over and over again. And and I think at some point in time, you can't give in to that. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Tomorrow is Thanksgiving. And whenever these holidays come up, I occasionally tend to get in some of my contemplative moods. And what we're going to be doing tomorrow for Thanksgiving is Fran and I, um, we're going to be going over to her daughter's place. She lives in Sussex, and um, they have a, a family Thanksgiving, and this will be the second or third year that we've done that. And my my niece is in college. She's not coming back, but my uh, brother and my nephew are going to come over there. And, and it, it will, the family and friends will gather, and it'll, it will be, it'll be wonderful. I'm looking forward to that, especially since we're not going to have to clean up afterwards. But it, it'll, it'll just be great, and my plans are— Hoping to get up a little bit early tomorrow. I'm, I'm going to try to go to church, 10 o'clock church service. That's on that's on the agenda as well. And then, you know, there'll be football and all the fun that's there. But I've been thinking a lot about, you know, Thanksgiving's past and, and how things change. And I can remember Thanksgiving when I was a kid. And then when I went away to college, I didn't go back for Thanksgiving because, you know, it was a long way to travel for just a couple days. And there were a couple years that, you know, we were off on the road. I was on the national debate team and we were at various places over Thanksgiving. And then I, I've been thinking about all the years. My my mom passed away about 10 years ago and I still miss her to this day. And my dad passed away, you know, a few years after that. So you, you think about Thanksgiving you had when you were 
when you were a kid and you think back with Thanksgivings you had when you were a young adult. And I can remember all these years that we would have Thanksgivings. And traditionally, you know, sometimes my, my late wife and I, we'd start off and we'd go, you know, to, to see my parents. And then we'd, you know, have people, her family over at my house. Long story as to why we separated it. But there were reasons for that. Everybody got along, but we had reasons for that. But I've been thinking a lot about all the different Thanksgivings and the things and the, the the different recipes for turkey and the different fellowship and the different people that that come in through your life that um, you know are, are so important to you and all those things you do and then suddenly they're they're kind of gone. What I wanted to do just for kind of a run up to the Thanksgiving show is I wanted to go into the way way back machine and I just wanted to open up the phone lines and and this is my question to you all right think back on all the Thanksgivings all the the holidays Thanksgiving holidays you've had is there one that is particularly memorable what was your most memorable Thanksgiving. Maybe this could be a Thanksgiving when you were on the road. Maybe this would be a planes, trains, and automobiles Thanksgiving where, you know, you were stuck somewhere and you were trying the best to get back through a snowstorm. Maybe it was the one where, I don't know, kind of like out of the movie A Christmas Story, the dog got a hold of the turkey. Um, Maybe it was just that, like, special one where the, the relative that you didn't think was going to show up did show up. Maybe it was the one where you, I don't know, came up with that. It was the year that dad tried to fry the turkey, you know, <laughs> and we and we know how that ended up turning out. But I, I thought, you know, this is the last segment before you know, my Thanksgiving holiday, and I would love to discuss with you your Thanksgiving memories. When I think about this, again, it's the the image I have is my mom, to tell you the, the honest to goodness truth. And I can just, you know, picture, you know, my mom, especially when I was younger, you know, making the turkey and setting the setting the table at our house in Glendale. That that's that's the image that comes to mind. There's other images as well. And I'm hoping, you know, we're gonna make great memories, you know, tomorrow for Thanksgiving as well. But what what's the Thanksgiving memory that, that sticks out in your mind? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's start with Chris in Madison. Chris, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. Love Hi. the show. This Thanks. is a great great topic. Um the best uh, memory for me would be my it was my third year of college. I went to two years at UW-Milwaukee, and I lived in the area, and I came up to school in Madison, and I had been home, or hadn't been home for that whole semester okay. until Thanksgiving, and coming home for that Thanksgiving was just so bittersweet. Uh, school wasn't easy for me, and I kind of realized I was making it, and I was doing okay, and um, and then that particular Christmas as well, coming home was just unbelievable but that thanksgiving that was the longest i'd ever been away from home uh-huh. and it was just like i can relive that day over and over in my mind and every thanksgiving it always comes to my mind that uh-huh. i'm a big boy now yeah it, it, it is right isn't that it's it's that okay I, i've made it i've been separated from my folks i'm looking forward to getting home but but it's kind of like that passage of life in your case okay i've been away i've been yeah. able to make it now I'm going to go home and ask mom to do my laundry or whatever that would be. Hey, thanks. Bingo. Yeah, thanks for calling. No, no, I, 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 I know that. Oh, I'm, you're, we're finally home. Uh, hey, mom, maybe can, can you take care of this? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Your, your Thanksgiving memory that you would like to share. Let's talk to Lisa in Milwaukee. Lisa, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. One of my favorite memories, uh, my husband and I were dating, and it was one of the first holidays at his grandparents' house. 
um, the kids were a little mischievous, and we moved all of Grandma and Grandpa's clocks an hour ahead. <laughs> they went the entire weekend, all the way till Sunday church, and they showed up an hour early, and they figured it out at that time. Okay, you you were you were dating, but you weren't married yet. Correct. And you so were we part were... you were part of the plan to turn Grandma and Grandpa's clocks forward an hour. <laughs> Well, I, it was kind of naughty, um, uh-huh. <laughs> but it really was fun. I mean, the the holiday before, the kids hit all the wooden spoons, so Grandma couldn't, you know, okay. retaliate on any of us. So they were they were naughty, um, but it was really fun. Those those holidays at that house have some great memories, just because we were all together. Yeah, and that mischievousness. Um, yeah, I I just you know. Through. I mean, I, I you know, I, I mean, I just have even talking about this. I have this this picture of my family. I grew up in Glendale. My my family, the dining room table set for Thanksgiving, and my mom, um, when she was younger and we were younger, you know, she there, there were certain things that I would like. There were certain things my father would like that my brother would like, and, and she'd make these special things for us. And I just I I always I always remember that, and it's just the memories come flooding back this time of year every year. So it's that, amazing. It's amazing how just one day and one thing can just bring back an entire lifetime. It is. No, th- thanks for calling. And that's and that see that's that's part of what holidays are. And I understand they're stressful times for some people. And I, I get it's like okay, people are coming over to the house, and this has to be perfect, and that has to be perfect. And that my answer is no, it doesn't really have to be perfect. It's it, okay. It, it's it's okay if the potatoes are a little bit lumpy, and it and it's okay if the roll's a little bit cold, and it's okay if the stuffing didn't quite turn out to be perfect. Because what you're doing is you're making the, those memories, and it's the people that are around you. And if I didn't appreciate this when I was in my 20s or my 30s, I I do appreciate now that that life is short and there are these people that are you know a big part of your your life and maybe it's your grandparents and you know maybe maybe it's 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 your parents and maybe your spouse or, or whatever um you're you're not always going to be together so the bottom line is enjoy it while enjoy it while it's happening let's talk to uh, mike and Wauwatosa. mike you're in wtmj mike yes hi mike good afternoon Good afternoon. Well, it was uh, the mid-80s, and my girlfriend's father lived in Fort Lauderdale, and they had $49 round-trip tickets. They said, let's go to uh, Fort Lauderdale. I brought a jar of my homemade dilly beans, put it in my suitcase, (laughs) pulled my suitcase off the corral, and it was dripping. Oh, And all my clothes were yellow. Oh, oh, okay. I got to. What are, what are dilly beans? I don't even know what that what that is. Pickled beans. Oh, okay. Got it. Okay, got it. Pickled beans. Jar them. Okay, right. And it's a family recipe, but yeah, yeah. All uh, my clothes, everything. The carousel is full of vinegar. Oh, 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 oh! Everybody was able to laugh about it. I hope, huh? No, except for me, I didn't have any clothes. <laughs> yeah, very, very, thanks for well, thanks for you. You at least you were. I guarantee you, you were at least that story. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Thanksgiving memories. Back with more calls in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Back to take your calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Bill in Fond du Lac. Bill, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Yeah, hi. Thanks for listening to my story. Yes, sir. But uh, I remember like it was yesterday. 
the story is told every year, and every year it gets better. But the truth is, it was 28 years ago, and it was the birth of my third daughter. My wife allowed me to go deer hunting because you know, that's what I do in the, you know, in the fall. And lo and behold, I got the call on Thanksgiving morning that she was going to be born, and I should get there as quick as I could. So I come barreling in there, and I go into the delivery room, and I'm standing there, and pretty soon they say, sir, you've got to leave. You, you can't be in here with that knife strapped to your waist. <laughs> <laughs> so they escorted me not only out of the delivery room, but out of the hospital, and I missed the birth of my third daughter. Uh, like I said, the story gets better every year. <laughs> right. Dad, re- remember the day Dad came armed into the birthing room? <laughs> well, thanks. I got to tell you, the, Bill, the most amazing part of that story is that um, your, your wife is, is due to give birth any minute and, and you're still out there hunting. <laughs> you know, that's the, well, I, you know, I, I figured I could get there. That's an understanding woman. Deb in Appleton. Deb, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hello. Hi, Deb. Um, had some really good Thanksgivings through the years. Last year, um, our son and his wife came to our family Thanksgiving, and he would be he was deploying the next day or leaving to go to Texas to deploy. And did you? you I assume you knew that in advance. Uh, yes. That okay. Was got not it. The, that was not the announcement. Right. <laughs> the announcement was that they were going to have a baby. Wow. Our first grandchild. So we were very excited. The whole family was really excited. And um, this year for Thanksgiving, we're going down on Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, to welcome him home. He did get to come home to see his little baby girl uh, when she was 10 days old. That, so that was sweet. But that was our very memorable Thanksgiving. Okay, so your son, but your, son is ba- is, your son's back in the country now, right? Yes, they ended their a one year deployment. Oh, outstanding! Have you seen him since he's been back? Um, he's not. He's not back. Well, he's in. He's in the U.S., but he's not back yet. We're gonna go down. There's a welcome home. Okay. Coming. Oh, outstanding! Um, so this is going to be the first time you you've seen him, except surrounding the birth of the of his daughter, your grandchild. Uh, actually, we saw him when he came home to see his baby. Right. But uh, but yeah, this is he's going to be home. So last year was a pretty exciting Thanksgiving. Uh, kind of a. Right, uh, bitter, not bittersweet, but you know, happy, sad. So. Well, right, and this will this will be even this will be even more special, I would imagine. Absolutely, that's great. Happy Happy Thanksgiving, Deb. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Thank you, mm-hmm. Larry in Milwaukee. Larry, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Thanks for calling. So my most fav- memorable was last year. Um, I was divorced in 1991, and so for 27 years, I had not been at the Thanksgiving table with my children, with both of them. Not that it wasn't a bad thing, it just didn't work. Mm -hmm. So last year, I was able to have Thanksgiving dinner at my home with both my daughters, my grandchildren, and my great-grandson, and it was the most amazing day ever. Oh my gosh, that's... That's just uh, that. Thanks to call, and that 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 is that sounds like just a wonderful thing, and it's family. Barb in Bayview. Barb, you're in WTMJ. Hey, hey, Jeff. Aren't the people pros? Oh, hi, Barb. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am well, thank you. Best Thanksgiving memory. About 15 years old. Uh, my big excitement. My brother from college was going to come home for Thanksgiving, 
And my mother put the turkey in the night before, so we woke up to the smells of the turkey in the morning. And she put it out on our covered porch to cool it. Now, we didn't realize that my brother was bringing home the mascot from his fraternity, which happened to be a St. Bernard. Nor did we know that my brother put the dog out on the porch. Uh, (laughs) Well, I think you know what happened. By the time we sat down to dinner, the turkey was gone. He ate the entire turkey, and when Mother went out to get her turkey, so proud of how she had cooked it, all that was left was just sort of the ribs in a crumble. So, so I mean, okay, now, Barb, I, I know you wouldn't fib to me. This, I mean, you know, that that's the end scene in the movie A Christmas Story, where the neighbor's dogs get the turkey. You actually lived that over Thanksgiving, Absolutely. huh? Absolutely. And let, let me tell you, even though it was a St. Bernard, I don't think they're supposed to eat a whole turkey because then the dog was sick. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this <laughs> So I think we had ham sandwiches, as I recall. Exactly. Or you go out for Chinese food. Barb, happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for joining us. Um, you, you know, there, there's just no question. And see, that that's the great thing about this. There, there's so, so many different stories. And, and I guess my my big Thanksgiving wish and my, my big takeaway is, is again— as you sit around the table and we give thanks to, you know, all the people in our lives and all the blessings that we have, um, just just take a moment and and just look around and enjoy the people that that are with you and, and recognize just how special those people are and how important they've been, you know, in your life and 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 just, you know, say say thanks. 